Are you ready to begin? I am. Hello. (laughs) Hey, uh, this is Sad Girl Syllabus, commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. (laughs) (laughs) Let's jump into the syllabus. Here we go. (laughs) Too caffeinated. (laughs) Two girls, too caffeinated. (laughs) I'm striving for more. Drinking coffee still. Don't need it. Still going. Like a real girl boss. Yeah. Don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. Um, have you seen the memes that are like, don't talk to me until I've scrolled TikTok for 12 hours? No. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. actually me. That's why I have to, I I have, I had to delete the app for a few weeks. Yes. It is kind of like an abyss. Like it's almost like you're sucked into a dark hole, like more than any yeah. other social media app. It's like, yeah, it's a very weird platform. I think as someone who is new to it like yeah very strange yeah yeah it totally is I gave it up for Lent this year (laughs) um yeah it is it is really strange and what's even crazier is that like there are some things that are like really good and really funny and then you can scroll like really like amazing educational like education TikTok kind of stuff that like teaches you things that are really great and then like immediately after you'll just like scroll into like something just insane and like or it'll be like it'll be some like a crowdfunding thing that's like mm-hmm. my cat is dying from this like please give money to this GoFundMe and it's like a really sad uh also Kyle Rittenhouse's girlfriend is like making TikToks with him in it that are going insanely viral of course <laughs> jeez so it's just it's such a weird it is an abyss uh yeah <laughs> Anyway, um, good thing we're here to talk about a different the, kind of horror. Yeah, <laughs> like some uh, some some intentionally written horror that you can turn off that has a finite ending point. Yeah, it's it runs for two hours and that's you're done. <laughs> it is. Yeah, a, it's um. It's a funny turn here at the the end of the season, the last episode of this season. Um, Because it's the end of summer, baby. Oh, yeah. We are are fall. The heat wave broke here in L.A. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's 85. So it's basically (laughs) fall. (laughs) It's no longer 110. So. (laughs) Oh, God. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And with that. Our final, um, our final episode on Americans Abroad is taking a turn toward the spooky. Very spooky and gruesome. Yeah. Lots of blood in this one. Lots of throwing up as well. I am so uh, happy. <laughs> I should have warned you about that. Um. <laughs> it's actually good because, because I, I would have like been really hesitant to watch it. So it's okay. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's better that I, oh, here she is. Oh, uh, Susie sighting. 
Susie, much in in spooky season, uh, in celebration of the spooky season, Susie is like trying to be on camera at all times because she's a black cat. So or she's just showing me her butt. Susie. Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's just okay here. Um, sign up for our Patreon to get exclusive. Just Bethany's cat, <laughs> Susie's butt. Um. <laughs> Anyway, the two films today are Midsommar and Hostel. <laughs> I like don't even know where to begin because I mean, should we begin chronologically and that Hostel came before? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, both of these movies though I actually think are very interesting because they do happen in different parts of Europe than Mm -hmm. have in previous films. Mm -hmm. Um, So Midsommar's in Sweden, the northern Mm -hmm. reaches of Sweden, and Hostel's mostly in Slovakia, um, which, interesting representation. I'm sure they were very happy about that movie. Um, (laughs) I'm sure the... (laughs) The culture ministers of Slovakia were pumped. That this <laughs> it was very you know there there were people who were trying to make pro-american propaganda that wasn't about the iraq war yeah and, so and you, you have yeah. to go to eastern europe and be like yeah you have to say like scary, look at the right? ills of <laughs> communism kind of thing yeah mm, interesting uh yeah, this like Balkan state post Soviet post communist experiment kind of thing is a very that's what I was kept thinking of like all of the image the imagery of broken down buildings and stuff like very Soviet era buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like oh scary, right? People and- are being tortured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it, thought it was very pro-American. Different, a different turn from Americans abroad, like in Talented Mr. Ripley or Call Me by Your Name, etc. Anyway. No, I, I agree. Um in Hustle, if you haven't had a, a chance to watch it recently, it was one of the leading, like the era of torture porn um was a big hit at the time, um, in which these American I they're supposed to be pretty young. They're the actors are way older than <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're I think supposed to be, but these like 20, early 20 something guys who like maybe just graduated college are on backpacking around Europe and they get taken to this small village in Slovakia where they are told they're gonna meet the hottest ladies who just put out like nobody's business yeah they're basically looking for brothels yeah exactly um and it turns out that actually they're being kidnapped um or tricked into getting kidnapped um to this crazy underground ring of rich men who pay to cut up and torture people especially americans (laughs) i had not seen it before 
And so I like really didn't know what to expect. I was like, I really don't, I'm not a fan of the torture porn. Like I really don't like, you know, like the close-ups of like people's fingernails being split and like blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was like less yeah. torture Um, I actually enjoyed the second half, um, <laughs> which is like the more torture aspect of it. I cannot believe I'm giving kudos to Eli Roth director of this movie who what else has he made he's made a few other similar things a couple other hostels um he's like sort of a quentin tarantino protege um he's also probably most known for his role in inglorious bastards though i feel like he's he's one of the um the crew who's killing nazis he's like i think they call him the bear jew in that one um yeah yeah cost yeah. hostel was produced by quentin tarantino right yes yeah okay so it's like one of these like grindhouse like slight of like a sort of ode to an earlier 70s era kind of too um mm-hmm. that they're really into uh yeah i mean i don't know it's interesting i the first half I had a hard time with the macho-ness of it all, which I think it's kind of making fun of them, the movie. I think it is. It's hard yeah. to tell. Yeah. For me, it's hard to tell with Eli Roth because like his main characters are often like the main character in this movie where they're like super macho. And then in the end, you're like, oh, like, are you the good guy? Like macho and crude because it's like, mm-hmm. that also seems to be Eli Roth's. Yeah, public yeah. persona too. So it's like, who is being made fun of here? Like, it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just thought it was very. I thought that it was very obvious because the the protagonist in Hostel is, ha- like, he goes through this arc where he's with his friends getting trafficked into being tortured. Right. Um, both of his friends die, and he um. And so like his, his arc is the only one that has this redemption. And like it, he tells a story. There's a moment where it's like very intentional. He's telling a story about fr- his youth where he like watched a girl drown and he like regretted that he didn't save her, that he like went to the lifeguard instead of like trying to go in and save her himself kind of thing. And he was like, and he says that he's like haunted by the screams of her mother or whatever. And then like at the very end, um, there's a very marginal side character who he like, who is also getting tortured in the same, she was staying in the same hostel. He had like seen her in the lobby and, uh, and then decide, and then like could hear her screaming and decided to go back and save her. And that was like his redemption arc. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like, it seems like a very obvious formula to make him good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he like avenges his friend's death kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, it seemed to me like it was definitely making fun of the, of the like early 2000s macho, like we're just here to get women kind of thing. Yeah. Like really bro-y. Um, yeah. Which yeah. He, he is. He's very bro-y and like all about TNA, baby. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's also interesting because like there's like an aspect of it. I feel like the Americanness is pretty interesting in this movie yeah, because yeah, they are sure. trading in and everyone is trading in on like American cliches. And one of the things yeah. that saves him that like uh, enables him to put himself into a position to get out of being tortured is that he 
can speak some German, unlike any other American yeah. in, in the movie. And because he's not white. And so he goes, I'm not American. And the guy kind of believes him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and he's a like, good. No, like I'm not actually an American citizen. And so he loses the guy's mad. The trafficker is mad who bought him because Americans have more value in this system. They like are worth more money. So he's like mad that he got tricked. I think that it's uh, an interesting like flip on the um, inversion of the like Americans abroad genre because, well, like with Call Me By Your Name and uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, that's very much portraying um, American people who are uh, who who are striving for and have achieved the American dream, mm. or at least like have some sort of attachment to the um, so-called American dream or whatever. Where you're like you want to be s- sort of you want to acquire enough wealth where you are worthy of a culture like a rich culture, a rich European culture, right? Or you want to acquire like intellectual um, currency or like what in the case of call me by your name, it's like these academics. Um, and then, uh, and the talented Mr. Ripley, of course, is like, you have enough money disposable income to just like go and stay there for months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it very much feels like um, this new budding American empire is uh, finally producing people who can, um, who can be like interact with the uh, older European cultures. Whereas like this feels like um, it represents America in like full decline because like these boys who were on their Euro trip um, and ostensibly doing so before they go into their uh, like master's degree or like law degree kind of thing, which also happens in Midsommar, um, the whole academic thing. And they're not quite sure what they're going to do. Like one of them might work for his dad. Like there is this like, there's a yeah, Yeah. And it seems like it's the decline of America because um, which I don't think was the intention with the f- the film, because again, I do think the intention was very pro-American propaganda kind of like uh, vibe. But my interpretation is like, wow, these tourists in Eastern Europe, they are not trying to like be worthy of an older culture. They are not mm-hmm. trying to be worthy of like interacting with um, people from these different countries. They are like fully living off of the dime of their parents. Um they are the millennials who are not really striving and just millennials who are, who are living off of um, the American dream or whatever that was achieved by their parents or their grandparents kind of thing. That is really interesting. <laughs> also not to drag it out in hostile too. <laughs> <laughs> Cause Mary, Mary watched the double feature, <laughs> um, which is hostile one, but with girls. Um, and it's like the same, same town, like really the same players, but a group of girls. Um, they stay at the hostel where you get kidnapped because the lead main character um, could be staying at a nice hotel if she'd tell her dad who was willing to pay for it. But she's like, no, like, I don't want to look like that. Like, no. I want to have the American abroad experience. Like, I want to be the poor college student in a hostel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but interesting, like, it's just interesting. Cause it is like, oh, instead of doing the like, uh, bourgeois travel through Europe, 
they're, they are just kind of like, I don't know, like using and throwing away, but not really for the culture, not really for anything other than not, not being in the U S and not facing like growing up or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Because the same can be said for, for Dickie Greenleaf, who is living off of the dime of his parents, but he is like, uh, he just wants to enjoy jazz. He likes the decorum of Italy and he very much like plays into that. He's, he's LARPing. Whereas like these freaks are just like trying to get laid. Right. Just (laughs) any, literally any way they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it also feels like, um, I'm looking at my notes. I watched this last week and I was like typing, like live tweeting, basically <laughs> typing <laughs> on my notes. But I, I wrote, I'm trying to figure out what I, cause I remember having an insight when I wrote this, but I didn't like <laughs> write it fully out. I said also only going to Slovakia to exploit an exploited Balkan state. What <laughs> do we think that means? <laughs> well, because the way that they get tricked into going is they meet a guy who's like, well, in Slovakia, the girls are just like so horny, like because oh, there's yeah, not that many guys there. And if they hear that you're American, like you're just gonna like everyone's just gonna fall all over you. Um, so it is kind of like, oh, the American invader almost. Like it's so weird. Like yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the way they pitch it, and the guys are like, great, sounds good. Like, definitely. I have another on the American propaganda front of Americans being Mm -hmm. the greatest compared to the the ruins of the Soviet Empire, Soviet Union. Um, This is totally I, I mentioned it earlier, but this is not my thesis I will give credit to Eric on this. Um the genre of torture porn does feel like a psyop. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yes. Of like, oh, we're in the middle of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Um people are learning more about Blackwater and all of the torture that mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. America is doing to me- so many people um for you know I mean, I yeah. don't need to get into this, um, yeah. but that it's like, oh, you think torture is bad? Like, just watch a little bit more and you'll become totally numb to how bad torture could be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wanted to bring this up, too, because um, um, talk about America in decline. When I took a porn studies class in graduate school. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, know that. I didn't. Wow. It was great. It was called pornography and choreography because the those two um, choreography is not necessarily literary, but you could, for the purposes of this like research topic, like you can say that it's literary. Porn, porn, and choreography emerged at the same time in um, like what sixteenth century ish, huh. either fifteenth or sixteenth century Europe. Um, the act of writing down dance notation. Um, was important because dance became increasingly important in courts and not in, in for courtiers to like know and practice and do. And then ballet was like becoming more of a thing that was uh, practiced. And like, it wasn't just social dancing. It was like an art form. So the, pra- the practice of notating dance 
And when you were making up a dance, like writing it down to choreograph it and have it be intentional, that happens at the same time when people start writing um, erotica and writing porn. Um, and so, yeah, this p- class was about the two, like, it, w- it was like, they were very distinct, like writing about the body and like huh. scripting for the body. And they emerge at the exact same time in Europe. Um, so that was the context of this class. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, it was really cool. It was really interesting, but I, there's a great, I'm like, I'm like looking at my bookshelf, like as though we're like, like I'm resisting the urge to go get this book, but there's a great chapter in this uh, book, a, a porn studies book called Art Porn Archives. And it's specifically about this, like Abu Ghraib and like film footage uh, that's being leaked, uh, the, like of Americans torturing American military uh, enacting torture. And, and then the subsequent like horror genre that proliferated after this yeah. is like this, it, it becomes this like all encompassing visual genre in the early aughts and yeah it's completely true it's it's a total psyop where it's just like and it's the same thing with zero dark 30 which comes out in the same time period yeah where it's just like trying to justify it and um uh yeah yeah it's very political it it's it's like definitely not like trying to well yeah, it's not trying to like do this pleasure pain thing. It's like it's a political to a political end. Right. I feel like like a horror genre. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about the horror genre a lot, which is great for the next season. Um, but <laughs> on and off this podcast, but like I mean, I feel like the horror genre does rest on this like the movement between pain and pleasure of yeah. and like expectation and and you know like all of these like conflicting but also totally twin um emotions and like very visual graphic emotions mm-hmm. and the torture porn genre has very little pleasure in it you know like there yeah. isn't yeah. there isn't that like moment and I guess you get it towards the end of the movie, right? Where he succeeds and like he is able to take on, but okay, total spoilers, you guys. At the beginning of Hostel 2, he dies. Um, Jay Rodriguez dies? Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry. Wait, whoa. Wait, how? Why? Why? Because they've been been hunting him. (gasps) Oh. Um, Because he got away. He's like with his, I think, wife or longtime girlfriend and like he like wakes up from a nightmare in which like it begins with like him in the hospital and they like they found him you know like as he's recovering from his wounds um and then he wakes up from that nightmare and his like partner is like it's okay like it's gonna be you know like we need to go to the cops and he's like everyone is involved in this ring like there are no there is no solution Mm -hmm. um and then she hears she like looks outside like they're separated he's making breakfast or something she like sorry (laughs) Sorry, I'm going into such detail on this but it is really funny she looks outside and they live in this like big house and like there's a big lawn so it's been some time um and they have someone working on the yard uh with a chainsaw like I knew you were gonna say (laughs) so she hears that noise and then she walks into the kitchen Oh God. His head has been chased <laughs> and he's just sitting on the chair and a cat is licking his, <laughs> his neck 
is. <laughs> I love that. And, and then it, it jumps to the girls. And I will say, I think you actually might like Hostile too because it, it has, um, oh, I always forget the actress's name. Uh, she's in the main in um, Welcome to, oh, fucking The Dollhouse, that really have you ever seen that or no. she's actually probably more notably known as the best friend in the princess diaries lily moshkovitz moshkovitz something oh like, you know okay. that girl um yeah she is in it as one of the girls in their group and she's like this kind of like really naive virgin character that's like a big part of her character heather matarazzo yes heather matarazzo um she's great oh yeah 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 she gets um uh, I always forget it was called Daiquiri, uh, where the lady who blood like bathed in the blood of virgins. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens there in Hostel. Oh my gosh! Um, Two highly so recommend, guys. <laughs> it's yeah, it's funny because like it's funny because that sequel wraps like the function of that opening scene is like to say that it, it like wraps up the narrative and like the function is to say that like um there's still the ring is still operating right the trafficking ring um but it's funny that it doesn't like continue it's not like I, at first at first I sort of thought that you were gonna say like the wife like goes with girls to try to like avenge Jay Rodriguez's death oh, no. but anyway um but interesting I love I, anything that involves like this is the thing. This is the the weird thing. And this is just like my personal phobias and tastes, but cutting heads off. Like, that's great. Like what a <laughs> fantastic horror slasher image, like a decapitation yeah. with a cat. Like, like it would take a really long time for it. I just want to say, and this has been studied. This is a fact. It would take a really long time for a cat to eat its owner it takes like days because if you were to die at home, like alone or something like the cat would not, cats are so smart. They know this and they're so loving toward their owners that they would not eat their owners until many days have passed until they're like on the brink of starvation. So I just want to say that, but anyway, <laughs> it's a great image. <laughs> Should have none. This would have led to a defense cat would never. <laughs> yeah. Not like two seconds after it happened. Right. Right. It's just like, Ooh, blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm like looking at my own cat. <laughs> would you um, do this <laughs> but it's a great image and it's so much better it's so it's a great slasher image so much better than the egregious vomiting like oh, oh my yeah. god so yeah I mean I guess we should have done like a content warning for this whole episode but I figured we said the name of the movie you'd know exactly what's gonna happen there is a scene in Hostel if you don't remember haven't seen where well there's a couple scenes but um Jay Rodriguez has uh has a ball oh, yeah, gag. gagged that I feel was I actually did laugh out loud <laughs> really <laughs> it is kind of funny um because he's being tortured and like he throws up during the torture and it like comes around the ball gag and it's and he's choking on it it's like, <laughs> sorry Man. sorry Bethany. I'm sorry but then his torture is like has cut his torture has cut two of his fingers off. Yeah. And he comes up behind him 
well, because the torturer is also grossed out by the vomit, but he comes up behind him with a chainsaw again um, and slips in the blood of the fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's really and, great. <laughs> like impales himself on the chainsaw. <laughs> so stupid. That's like the, what's great about that is, yeah, this, damn, this whole episode does need a content warning. Um <laughs> maybe we can maybe on the on the episode description it can be like content warning from like minute 10 <laughs> until 35 or whatever but yeah. um uh that's a that is really funny because it's like the banana peel gag <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I couldn't I couldn't get over the vomiting and like actually Sorry. I missed a lot of like I had to like get up and like walk around and like do other things while it was playing in the background <laughs> just giving me a panic attack <laughs> even even you know like at at one point my fear of my like vomit phobia was so bad that um when Kate Middleton had like severe morning sickness like even hearing about oh, that on the news okay. was like would like make me panicky anyway. I'm sorry and then I just went into detail about it I was like the <laughs> listener has to know what <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, no, you know, it's fine. I am, I am recovered enough that I could, that I didn't have to turn it off, you know? So just needed to do a little walk. (laughs) That's when anything embarrassing, like truly embarrassing happens to a character in a movie. I've gotten better about those two, but I have to walk out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch you do this. The shame handled the the God and Freda. Yeah, yeah. No, it's totally. too much. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, the other thing that I wanted to say to mention, and then we can move on to Midsummer. But um, uh, so on the same theme of like scary Soviet aesthetics kind of thing, there's like a very which this to me like the uh, I don't know just cinched it of this like pro-American propaganda or pro-Western propaganda, yeah. pro-West was like, he is on the train back to Germany. Um, uh, what's the character's name? Kana? Ikana? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, this woman that he saves. Yes. Um, who was also in the hostel with him and she's uh, Japanese, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's also another, yeah, it's a great scene. She, he like saves her oh when my. she's in the middle of getting her eyeball ripped ah, out. That is actually something I couldn't watch. So <laughs> I'm, I love that you're like, vomit, goodbye, but I'll watch the, like the grossest part. Yeah. Of this movie. So gross. Yeah. Her eyes getting pulled out. <gasps> and then for whatever reason, he like snips the vein and there's like yellow pus coming out. And I'm like, what yeah. is that? <laughs> Sorry, Mary. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> Yeah, it's like hanging out of the eye socket. Yeah, it's yeah. Oh, and he's like, I mean, I don't know what else you would do, actually. Yeah, exactly, because you can't be like running around with that shit, like (laughs) bouncing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, and she has, and like this person has like I don't know, burned her face or like scalped her face she when they finally get to the train station in Slovakia to go back to Germany he brings her with him and she sees her face in like a reflection on a on a um window and uh like can't live with it so she jumps in front of the train and gets beheaded 
yeah. totally decapitated. Um, but anyway, he's on this train and he, and he like, you know, feels obviously rattled and in pain and guilty and like all this shit. And then the minute that, <laughs> that it crosses over into Germany, it's like green pastures, uh, like very pastoral looking. And then the music even like gets really like, it's like the triumphant, like Hollywood score of like straight, like violins, like, yeah. and he's like, he take he breathes easier kind of thing. And it's just very, yeah. Like you're out of the Eastern States. Yeah. Eastern block no more. There's also this, um, like, well, I guess the one thing that is interesting is that I feel like most of the men that you see, um, who are buying people are not Slovakian. They're, they're coming from the U S they're coming from Western Europe. They're German, et cetera. That's what I must've meant by the exploiting Uh, coming to Slovakia to exploit an already exploited state. Anyway. Okay. But like, it it almost seems like almost everyone in this town is making their money off of this trafficking ring. Yeah. Um, because like everyone is involved, including, well, maybe not including, but there's this roving gang of children. Oh, yeah. Almost forgot about that fucking classic. <laughs> and that to me was also like, oh, like, like some sort of like Roma, like nervousness or something yes. where it's like, oh, you're going to get like little kids are going to come up to you and ask you for money. <laughs> yeah, it's a total gypsy anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. And, but like, all they want is like bubble gum or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The bubble gum gang. (laughs) They just want some candy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. It's what a weird, what a weird movie. I did. I did like the little like Pulp Fiction playing in the lobby of the hostel. Oh yeah. As this like Quentin Tarantino like thing. (laughs) In a kind of nice move in the second one. So the girls are going to that place because they've met this woman who's like, oh, you know, let's get away from the Italian creep dudes who are so aggressive, who I think are also working on for the hustle. But like, and um, let's go to this really nice, I'm going to a spa, like this beautiful spa village, you know, come with me. And so that's why they're there. And the girls from the first hostel are in the lobby when they turn in and they like turn around when the girls come in into the room and they're still watching Pulp Fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny. Uh, Pulp Fiction just plays on a loop in this hostel. They love it. I don't know. Or is Quentin Tarantino like calling himself out? Because he's one of the filmmakers that always get asked about like, oh, the violence in your film, like the ultra violence mm-hmm. in your films. Like, are you making people violent? Like, are you making kids violent? Like da 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 da. And I was like, is this like a joke? Like an in joke of like uh, my movies made these people like <laughs> violent. Oh wow, wow, that's good. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Like, is like, do these Eastern Europeans who like, do they do who barely speak English? Are they like being influenced to participate in this ring by Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> um, the American influence on Eastern Europe because of this, like, yeah. Oh man, wow! It's hostel is actually deeply layered. <laughs> Like what? Damn. 
I don't know if you would get, I refuse to watch any Saw movie. Yeah. No. But I don't know if, just because I would not, my anxiety wouldn't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I don't think, I don't know if it's as conceptual as this. I don't think so. I actually do think there's a good amount going on in Hostel. Yeah. Which is fun. Even, you know, it is like a pulpy, yeah, goofy yeah. horror movie, but it's fun. Yeah. I don't know. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 good. And um surprised to say that. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I was surprised that it fit it fits this Americans abroad theme so well. It really does. It really like, does. It's kind you of would like not... made for the season. Yeah, it it really is. You would not put it in the same category as Call Me by Your Name or The Lost Daughter, but it is. Uh, multitudes um (laughs) um but the next movie oh yeah midsommar which i assume lots of people have seen (laughs) yeah because it was quite a hit yeah uh a very different kind of horror of a take on americans abroad or um unlike the like torture porn version of Hostel. This is like a much more of the like elevated horror, um, new elevated uh, horror, elevated okay. horror. There we go. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been talking about that. Um, <laughs> and like very high production quality of the A twenty four set, um, and Ari Oster in general seems that's his style. It's it's like yeah, it's like intellectual, a little bit. I like Midsummer, but yeah, me too. I like Ari Aster as well. Loved yeah. Hereditary. Um, Hereditary is good. Uh, also, on the subject of TikTok, I there's that TikTok that I I think I sent it to you, of like the face Hereditary. Thing. Hereditary was yeah, the be real <laughs> was a funny one, a funny meme. But um, Hereditary was like playing in a club. No. Like there was some like. <laughs> It was like, um, uh, Susie was here again. Um, it was like, there was some club, like a Bushwick club and they had this like TV screen that had this, uh, Baroque, like, um, gold frame around the TV screen. And it was playing hereditary (laughs) while people were like clubbing. (laughs) And it was like, why is this playing? Anyway. Anyway. Speaking of decapitation. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> that That's the thing is like um, the whole thing with like elevated horror and like an intellectualized horror. It's like they um, there's this sense of like relying on um, the conceptual layers, relying on the production value to uh, but still containing the elements of like gore and shit yeah. like that. Um and sort of like deeper psychological, having like a, a deeper psychological bent to the story and getting more, in, like more characterization, I guess. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's what makes it, that's, I guess that's the distinction. But anyway, we can get into the uh, aesthetics of horror later on. But <laughs> Midsommar, of course, is um, is Americans abroad, but like, what I appreciated about it is whereas for everybody else, it's about a holiday and like going for a holiday, like this is a research trip 
mm-hmm. like an ethnographic research trip. I love that. I love the implications of that. I love that it's sort of like, cause it's, it's critical of that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, why are you trying to be, um, an observant anthropologist? Um, it, it almost makes it seem like the people, which I guess call me by your name. They're also like anthropologists or, or, or studying archeology, span whatever, mm-hmm. but like, it almost is sort of like, if you like, if you really want to interact with the culture, just like go and whatever and don't try to make it about a research but that's that's of course a tiny facet of the story right well again though it is like they are exploitative in what they're that they're trying to do what they're aiming to do though they don't succeed um <laughs> and they are assholes <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh at the oh man oh so in case someone has been under a rock and doesn't know the midsummer plot um <laughs> Which I guess is like, I don't know, I guess it shouldn't be such a bitch, but um, the story is set up where Florence Pugh's, um, man, Florence Pugh is really like getting into the like crazy woman situation. I can't wait to see, don't worry, darling. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) People, there's like also a trending meme on Twitter and it's like, don't worry, darling, as a film doesn't exist, the film is the press drama and like <laughs> the Olivia Wilde drama and the spitting on Chris Pine drama. <laughs> but anyway, Florence Pugh is, delivers a great performance. She's so much she's so much better in these types of roles than fucking Amy in Little Women, where she's like trying to be a little girl. Like, Jesus. She's better in Little Women when she's not playing like a 10-year-old yeah. or whatever, however old she's supposed to be. <laughs> When she becomes adult, Amy, it's much better. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Once again, like, I don't know, like Greta Gerwig, like this isn't some like community theater. Like the person doesn't have to play the role. Like you can afford another actor. Anyway. Get Kristen Dunst back in here. <laughs> <laughs> or more or better, get get the tiny vampire child who is a forever Ooh. child that Kristen Dunst played. Yes. To be Amy. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> anyway, Florence Pugh, her character, she's the protagonist of Midsommar. We open with her family having died uh, in a murder-suicide. Her sister um, is having a manic episode or a depressive episode and um, poisons the family home with carbon monoxide. So uh, Danny, the main character, is um, living in tragedy her boyfriend is a dick. I was like immediately triggered in these opening scenes where he's just like, it's he, the, their relationship is clearly already strained. He mm-hmm. wants to break up with her. He is uh, avoiding breaking up with her because he's a fucking coward. Yeah. Or like and, using her also. Like, yeah, there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, and then feels like he can't break up with her and is out with her out of obligation because she's grieving. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then his group of friends, uh, they are friends with this person from Sweden. I forget his character's name. Um, it's like uh, Pele. Pele, yes. Yeah. And I lo- Pele, I I- love Pele. Me too. Me too. Like, this is the real. This romance is real. <laughs> he is also a creep, but I don't care. Well, they're all they're in a fucking crazy cult. Um, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But so Pele is a, a friend group. 
or, or ha- is part of this friend group and he's from a remote village in Sweden where um and and they have their own like sort of traditional uh European folk religious traditions and he invites them out for the Midsommar which is a once every 90 year festival week long festival um and then and and the group of friends, Danny's boyfriend and his friends want to go because they are they're like working on a PhD in, I guess, anthropology um, and doing this like ethnographic research. And then, of course, you get to the you get to Sweden and the first ritual that they watch is this is two people who have reached the age of like, what, 75 or something. Yeah, I forget what age. Something, and yeah. they do a ritual death, a ritual suicide. And so gory. So gory. Yeah, it is. That is arguably like worse than torture porn yeah which is what which is again this like the question of elevated horror is so interesting because it's like what makes people think that like hostile is somehow like like pulpy but this is not pulpy I don't know it's it's great I love that I love those distinctions but anyway um yeah I was with my friend Laura shout out to Laura in the movie theaters watching this and she like screamed out loud and grabbed my arm (laughs) when the woman like jumped off the cliff (laughs) it was great I think I might have done the same thing actually (laughs) I was like "Ah!" (laughs) and other people did too in the theater yeah what's and what is great about that scene like the bulbiness of it is like one of the grossest part of it is that it keeps going like you're like stop like stop going back to their bodies there's two so like yeah 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 it happened two times and the second time's worse because he doesn't die immediately (laughs) um which is his own fault because why did he jump like that anyway yeah so it immediately becomes clear to them that like holy shit this is like a strange death cult whereas in their eyes they're just like they've already lived their lives like they should die anyway and then friends for like non-swedish friends start like disappearing Mm -hmm. because there are other like florence Pugh's friend group there's other people who are coming in to the village um and they just like start one by one get picked off um the the sort of first one to go from danny's group is this guy who is a total piece of shit he does and he and he like just is so oblivious and he is like the quintessential like American abroad like he's just there to enjoy and he doesn't care about and he he like makes crude jokes all the time he's like why would they do that like he just like is a bumbling American and he's the first one to like to disappear um and he looks like Sid from Toy Story he does um so crazy the uncanniness and then um and then you eventually like it culminates in this like may queen maypole dance kind of thing that danny ends up winning but as she as she's winning this ceremonial like dance thing her boyfriend is like he's been sort of put under an enchantment spell to like sleep with this girl and like they need to i guess there's like this ritual mating thing where like to prevent incest there's like intentional incest happening with like this prophet person right but then they also have to bring in outsiders to keep the gene pool uh Going. have to keep a variety yeah. yeah in the gene pool and so he's having sex with this girl as danny is winning the may queen thing and she like sees and she freaks out and um you don't know if there's like because everybody's on psychedelic drugs you don't know what's real what's not real and then of course the big offering which is like the culmination of the whole Midsummer Festival is this bur- uh, burning 
burning a temple, a wooden temple. And Danny, as the May Queen says, like chooses her boyfriend to be sacrificed along with all the other non-Swedish people. Cause there's like British people as well in there, right. the Americans and the Brits, their dead bodies are like propped up in there and like get burned two people from the village. Yeah. Two people from the village have been like chosen, I guess, yeah. to make this sacrifice. Um, for them, it's an honor for the outsiders. It's kind of a punishment. Yeah. Um, like the Sid, <laughs> Sid look alike. Yeah. Like he, his body gets like, um, he gets skinned basically. Yeah. And put into this like jester costume. Like he's the fool. Um, yeah. yeah. So everyone kind of gets made into the characters that they represent and yeah and basically i guess your assumption is that danny is now part of the skull yeah i i yeah because it, it makes it ambiguous mm-hmm. um and i do love that they like have this thing of like is it faded like obviously like pele has um observed their group and 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 purposely goes after them yeah yeah because of the men characters but specifically because of danny um to get them to this uh ritual yeah um but i do love that like you know like danny's birthday is right on the summer solstice like she's this very blonde white girl who like really does look like she fits in with their group she's lost all of her family so she has absolutely no connections No no one looking for her yeah right and also like needs someone who is at all emotionally like responsive um like everyone else she knows her boyfriend um and and that is like one of the things about the cults is that they like emote with you like so she gets oh yeah like when she's crying everyone around her is screaming and like yeah 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 and it it uh you get the idea that it's like primal or whatever like there's this that maybe is the allegory with this like over intellectualization where these people are coming to like study the the group and like research their um research their customs to like over intellectualize it but then you have like Danny who is participating in it mm. and and fully trying to like live it and just be like I'm just I'm just here to to live your experience with you but then she's just like but it, it's it's ethically morally like a dilemma because she's just like but what the fuck you're a death cult <laughs> yeah right when like the two people commit suicide the two um elders uh she's like we we're going we are going and then like her anthropology phd student boyfriend is like no like it's just different than what you expect like you can't judge them um <laughs> He's such a douchebag. Yeah, he totally is. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, but however, and this is like, I don't know what this makes me like question everything about myself, but like there's that time where he gets really, he like they give him a drink and he's hallucinating really badly and he sits down and he's not like doing the right things. And so he, he just like, he's, he taps someone on the shoulder. He's like, can you tell me what's going on? And then the guy claps in his face, like shame on you. And he looks really like hurt and sad. That's the one time when I'm like, oh my God, no. <laughs> Not when he gets burned alive though. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, the thing about the getting burned alive is like, they've already, they've paralyzed him. Yeah. So I yeah. feel like he can't feel it. He's just like conscious of it happening. That is a good point. 
Or he just can't scream. Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. He probably. Yeah. But they're like, you can't speak or move. So maybe he can feel. I saw there was like discourse on like, <laughs> I hate like this trend of like the moralizing of the movies in like a really stupid yeah. way. Like, obviously we can talk about ethics, but like in a very like black and white and they're like, he shouldn't have died though. Like, yeah, he was bad boy. It's like, of course not. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> no one's like, yeah, kill all bad boyfriends. Like what? <laughs> I did think on watching this, I was like, I remember he was a shitty boyfriend when first watching it. And on rewatch, I was like, I bet he's not as bad. You know, like he is. (laughs) Yeah, it's he's. Yeah, it was awful. Super gaslighty. Yeah. And also doing the like, I'm a nice guy. Like, don't make me the bad guy. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the whole like, I mean, because the other thing, too, is is that it's just like. Like Danny, you know, she finds out about this trip because he because he's talking to his friends there. She's like at a party with them and they're talking about going and she like sort of forces her way in to to go with them. Pele sort of like soft invites her. Um, But like she gets really worked up that sh- he never told her and like he tells her that she's irrational and like it is sort of irrational for her to be freaked out. But at the same time, she's also like severely traumatized. And so like any change in what she thought was going to happen with her summer, like is going to affect her. It's going to like destabilize her because she's already destabilized so much because she doesn't have any family. So, and then he also, there's, there's also like a whole thing where she is like really freaking out because she gets a really threat in the very beginning, gets a threatening message from her sister, thinking that her sister is going to like do something bad to the whole family. And the boyfriend is like, don't worry about it. Like, what are you like? You know that your sister is crazy kind of thing. Like he already does that to her sister. So then he just keeps doing it to her. Yeah, he's like, oh, you're enabling her. He also does this thing about the trip and he does it later, I think, about his PhD project or something like that, mm-hmm. where she's like, well, when did you decide that you're going on this trip in like a week? Like, what the heck? And mm-hmm. he's like, I just decided today. And he does that later, too. And to get out of being in trouble, he's like, I just yeah. made that decision. Like, I yeah. literally just decided and I was yeah. like, I feel like I know people like this that are totally just like, and you're like, no, you didn't. You're just so yeah. fucking coward. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he like steals his friend's research idea. Right. I and did- then and yeah, they're in this like weird competition to like get to get as close as they can to people in the group. Right. To like study and, yeah. and take notes and get more access than they've been granted. Um, I do love that his name is Christian. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's so good of the like this uh, is yeah. sort of this like weird like Aryan um yeah, pagan pagan thing and it's like oh you're the invading Christian forces <laughs> will use you and then murder you. <laughs> wow, nice. That's pretty excellent. <laughs> it's a great it's good folk horror. Definitely. It's true folk horror. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like obviously paying homage to the trailblazer wicker man right with right. the fire um fire sacrifice yeah yeah I think it and it's like this nice of the like Americans abroad version is like 
in both of these movies, but in particular this one, it's like, oh, you think you have some sort of, as an American, you think you are privileged enough to have immunity wherever you go, that nothing bad is going to happen to you because mm-hmm. you're American. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and you don't under, you're completely ignorant of where you're going into. You just assume mm-hmm. that you're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, this idea, or like that in Europe, of course you're safe, you know, like kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's like, well, actually, no, <laughs> you've been kidnapped. You've been invited yeah. here for a reason. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. And also thinking that like the uh, thinking that as a if you if you go there under the guise of like researching, then you will have like prox you people think that when they're like doing ethnographic research, they like have proximity and distance at the same time. That's the whole problem with ethnography and anthropology is like you have this proximity to a culture, but then you like try to make yourself like objective or whatever. Right. And so, and so I think that they also think that that affords them safety. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you can just exploit uh, any kind of culture. There's also something interesting and I'm trying to figure out if it's present in, it's not really in the lost daughter or the talented Mr. Ripley. I can't remember if there's any sort of like substance stuff in call me by your name not really but like in hostel and midsummer um and i think that this is like true of uh contemporary america like americans want to go abroad because they want to have access to drugs mm. that's sort of like the premise in hostels like they go they are first in amsterdam because they're like trying to get right trying to just like smoke weed all the time and then you also have this like taking mdma in the club in the discotheques or whatever. And there's this sort of like, oh, Europe is the place of like permission. And um, and then in Midsommar, they're on psychedelics the whole time. And it's just like, yeah, I'll take mushrooms, like trip with me on the longest day of the year where the sun never sets kind of thing. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of the like, oh, we're like, we can experiment out here. Again, we're like in safety zone. Like we're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. I love that the idea that they don't think as if like European drug laws in certain areas aren't like crazy, but yeah, like um, we're not going to get in trouble. Um, and, and we're, we're not going to have any consequences. Like, you know, nothing bad can happen to us. Um, except of course it does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Probably why. And I know that I think I mentioned this last, last episode or the one before, uh, Amanda Knox captivated the attention of the American audience. Right. Because it was like the real life, like, oh shit, bad things can happen to you. And yeah. And before you know it, you're in a, in an Italian prison for like 15 years or whatever. So (laughs) damn. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting, like, uh, because it the the American in Paris and Call Me by Your Name are very much in this fantasy of like yeah definitely nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. It's a very insular story where like you've escaped the horrors. It's post war. You've escaped the horrors of World War Two. You can like you've escaped this like conservative puritanical American culture where you can like be your authentic self and with homosexuality and like explore homosexuality and then with the lost daughter yeah it's like oh 
actually like she is going through this self-induced psychosis where it's just like she's just on a beach holiday but um but has this like starts to be introspective and then talented Mr. Ripley is like oh shit how far can you take this Mm. how far can you like really like live this double life kind of thing and then and then it turns to a horror story when it's like actually things can go really really wrong um and you're not invincible as an American yeah I also think there's like this really interesting thread of history obviously um and dealing with history and like you know call me by your name they're literally um excavating and like bringing up statues and relics um there's also the resort town of like lost daughter in which there is no history because you're completely removed from anything um but in like hostile right you have this sort of like post-soviet like you're in the root like this ruined built like soviet building like okay what happens to this country then and then in midsummer it's almost like you know this town this cult has been so completely insulated it's as if there is no other history outside of it you know Mm -hmm. like when you come in it it does not have any of the baggage of any of the world Mm -hmm. wars it does not have the history of the rest of the world because it's been so so insulated Mm -hmm. um so it is like this really interesting like give and take of like what history when um Mm -hmm. absence of or completely needing Mm -hmm. to deal with it which i think as we've talked about throughout this season is like weird for americans because of the lack of history in a lot of its mm-hmm. civic structures and and in mm-hmm. its um buildings and towns mm-hmm. and, yeah just general mm-hmm. understanding of itself yeah and um yeah and and the wiping out of right the any sort of culture right i don't it. right i don't mean that there isn't a history it's like a a, a purposeful yeah. lack of history right or acknowledgement maybe yeah yeah of course say. yeah 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 that's a good point um that the swedish cult is 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 yeah seen to be like primitive in some ways i did hear someone and i have no idea if like this person made their critique like whether she read something because I feel like this has also been talked about (laughs) it's in the discourse um but when I heard this criticism criticism it was coming from someone who like at least it seemed like it was her own original thoughts but she was just like yeah it was totally exploitative of like tradition Swedish traditions and like Mm. it was she didn't like the film because she was just like that kind of pagan practice is very is, is very much real and alive and they like made it gruesome (laughs) um (laughs) i mean i think they definitely still like many places still celebrate midsummer yeah yeah for sure from my understanding it is like maypoles and picnics yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh wait i will forever say this this is the only movie that i approve of cgi (laughs) i love the cgi usage this is exactly how cgi was supposed to be done it was not supposed to be like fucking toy story four <laughs> yeah oh my god some of that stuff is like why but like if you're not going to spend the time to make the cgi look good like you're just pumping these like, things why out it? why do yeah. it? yeah actually have you seen that florence 
also Florence Pugh, Miss Flo, um, <laughs> in that Marvel movie that she's in, like the Black Widow one, which I have not oh. seen. There is that clip of her like jumping from a plane and it's the worst CGI in the world. It, it looks so bad. Uh, yeah, it's so stupid. Because they don't, they just pump these movies out. They don't give the CGI companies actually money or time to do it. Well, I think it's just a bad application of it CGI. Is. It is. Like why do you, like just, I don't know, special effects, Um, it, like I think special effects really peaked in like the nineties when you have like stunt people and you can sort of like manipulate like a stunt person's thing, um, acrobatics. Yeah. And you can sort of manipulate it with like color correction and I don't, I don't really, but like, I think that CGI is such a, you can't just like, just because it's available, you can't just like think that it's going to make your shit look good. Good. No. And where so lazily used. Yeah. Just like, oh, we don't want to film a crowd. So we're just going to CGI the crowd. Yeah. Whereas like if it's being applied to like render a visual that you hallucinate when you're on mushrooms, that's a great use of it. That's a great application for it because it's like, yeah, when you're on mushrooms, your food is moving. (laughs) Like you do really like hallucinate like things undulating in nature kind of thing. And so that's where it like it that, that really subtle like in their banquet scenes when the food is just like animated yeah. and it's really really good yeah there's a surrealness to the cgi right there's an uncanny valley where it like looks real but doesn't really look real and that's great actually very interestingly with hostile i think one of the good things about hostile and what people actually do praise about it is its practical effects like the practical yeah. effects in that movie are really really good yeah um yeah, yeah. so i bring back practical effects use cgi sparingly use it well like it's a tool obviously it's a great tool but like come on like it's so stupid to hear about these movies where the actors didn't meet each other because everything was fucking cgi'd and they had no idea what they were doing and it's like what is the point of this goddamn movie oh god yeah also i feel like um and i can't remember if this was i can't remember if this was a marvel movie or maybe it was a Star Wars movie. It was Natalie Portman. So it must have been a Star Wars. But she like uh, one of their like, and I don't know, maybe it was just a practical effect or like a, or some sort of just like green screen manipulate. But she is walking up to someone and she's supposed to kiss him. And Natalie Portman is five foot tall. And he was the actor. I, for, I forget which movie it is. He's so tall. So when she's walking in this, like the camera is tracking her walking up to him and they have to kiss, but she's walking up a ramp so that she's, so that he doesn't have to like bend down (laughs) so that she's like at a decent enough level to kiss him. Um, yeah, that's also, that's great. Anyway, uh, (laughs) like you have to get, you have to get creative with these things. And just because CGI is like yeah, just because CGI is there doesn't mean that you need to like be fucking using it all the time. Yeah. But um, Midsummer CGI, two thumbs up. Yeah, we approve. <laughs> Sad girl approved. <laughs> Hereditary, probably better, but still great. Florence Pugh is really good in this movie. I mean, her she face is, cares yeah. a lot. She's great at crying. She is. She's so, a great sad girl. The downturn. Oh, I know. I love that. Yeah. is like. I love that. 
<laughs> she it's she has it perfectly this like when you're about to cry and like I don't know like she's really harnessed it it's like a like I can't it's it's crazy because it's like when you're about to cry and you don't want to yeah and you're like trying to keep your you, but your mouth keeps pounding yeah. and you just can't stop it's so good it's like the quiver she really she gets it down yeah <laughs> Good job. And then, and then it's always nice. Everybody loves the, everybody loves the contrast of her like frowning when Christian is getting burned and then she smiles. Yeah. And with that um, smiling scene. <laughs> and the music is great. Movies end happily. Oh. <laughs> Triumphantly. I remember I put on something, I like put Spotify on shuffle, but it had like turned, it was a classical uh, it had a classical bent. And so it turned into like, just giving me scores, turning up, turning up like movie scores. And there was one that sounded like really like beautiful and sort of familiar and very calming. And I was like, wait a minute, I think I've heard this. I'm not sure what is this. And it was the, the ending score to, to Midsommar. And, uh, I was like, oh yeah, I have heard that. You immediately felt at peace. <laughs> um, also there's apparently, and maybe you were the one who told me this, in fact, I think you were that hereditary is like the lead in to Midsommar. Like they're supposed to be. I don't think so. I don't they're th- supposed I to, didn't know that. Like the folklore is supposed to be loosely mm. paired because at the end of hereditary, the kid like goes into this treehouse and he's like crowned the king or whatever. Right. And um, uh, yeah. And it's supposed to be like he's living out this like pagan prophecy. Or yeah. like this pagan story where like everybody around him dies and it's like it's testing his character to see like how um how good he is or something or like how strong he is. Um and and the it's the same visuals of like there's like in the treehouse, there's a panel of like illustrations that tell this story, similarly to how there's um illustrations on the house in Midsummer that right. they all stay in also a hostel <laughs> also yeah basically yeah you're all been like they're all living together wait it's the same plot it's literally the same plot like they go and they live in this hostel and they're getting trafficked into getting killed <laughs> it's it, it is like just the a24 version of hostel it really is it's just like fancy hostel <laughs> we made hostel fancier we bougied it up yeah. the bourgeois hostel. Nice. Um, yeah. What a great finale to Americans Abroad. Really made it. <laughs> really, what an arc. <laughs> uh, love to see it. Um, join us next month for more horror. Yeah. We enter the spooky season. <laughs> Yeah. Spooky so girl syllabus. <laughs> <laughs> the sad girls are not sad only one month out of the year and it's spooky. <laughs> it's October. It's October, you guys. Also, it'll be the one year sad girl syllabus anniversary. I know. Can you believe it? I wonder what we should do. I know. We should do something special. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, come up with some we'll, <laughs> we'll come up with some <laughs> yeah so stay tuned thanks for listening bye bye did you know um there's a place on the internet 
where you can get exclusive access to Sad Girl Syllabus News. You can join our Sad Girls Club by signing up for our newsletter at sadgirlsyllabus.com. And with the newsletter, you'll see updates on new episodes, um, announcements on content and stuff, uh, extra insights, links, reading lists, resources um, that don't make it into the podcast episodes. And when you sign up, you get a little gift from us. It's a reading list, um, a, tr- a, a Sad Girl Syllabus, actual syllabus, <laughs> Sad Girls 101. And if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash syllabus. And for five bucks a month, you can watch all of our director's cut video episodes uh, and get bonus episodes uh, when they come out. Uh, if you like what you hear, also please think about rating the pod on Apple Podcasts, sharing this podcast with your friends. Yay. It's really the best way to support us uh, is to help spread the word. Uh, so subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at Sad Girl Syllabus. <laughs>